If I had that Walter Burl, I'd set him on the shelf and just look at him. <laughs> He's talking about how long we've known each other. I think Moby Dick was a mentor when we first met. <laughs> been a long, long time. And it's been a long time since I've been here. And uh, just a few weeks ago, I had heart trouble. Of course, I've had that for a pretty good while. But anyhow, they gave me one of those electrical shocks. And uh, there's a girl, a nurse came in the room there. She was sicker than I was. And there's a putting those things on my chest and all those needles in my arms. And I looked up, and that old gal's nose was fixing a drip in my face. And I said, hey! I said, your nose is fixing a drip in my face. And she said... About ten seconds later, like a groundhog, that thing come a-crawling back out. And I said, hey! I said, your nose is fixing a drip in my face. Well, I had a, some experiences in that hospital, I'll tell you. I'll tell you something that I'll probably never get over. But I, what a joy it is to be here today. I think God's people, hey, I say this everywhere I go, God's people ought to be the happiest folk on the face of this earth. Man, who'd want to live next door to a clever head that never could smile, never could laugh about anything? Man, I'd get to be a moving van. I'd be gone the next day. One woman said, if you was my husband, I'd feed you poison. I said, if you was my wife, I'd eat it too, honey. Amen. <laughs> I think God's people ought to be the happiest folks on the face of this earth. They said the other day over yonder in Tennessee, old man and his wife was going down the road to fussing. Every time he'd say something, she'd say, what'd you say? About that time, a blue light come on, and a patrolman pulled him over. And the patrolman said, may I see your license, please? She said, what'd he say? He said, he wants to see my license. Patrolman said, where are you going, sir? He said, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. She said, what'd he say? He said, he wants to know where we're going. Patrolman said, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Lord, he said, the meanest, contrarious, cantankerous old woman that I ever met in my life lived in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. <laughs> she said, what did he say? He said he thinks he knows you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, tell you, I tell you what, man, get, he can get in some bad shape sometimes. I have told you about this. I, I got an office deal the other day. You remember old Bill Petted out in Oklahoma? She was dead, you know. I went out. He called me. He's dying of cancer. I want to come out there and preach one final time. He died just a few days after I was out there. And uh, they talked me into getting on a horse. Here I am, 60, going on 63 years old, uh, riding a horse. Heart trouble, rheumatism, diabetic, you name it, I got it. In fact, they was talking a while ago about getting old. I'll tell you how to tell when you're getting old. When you bend over to pick something up, you look to see if there's anything else needs to be done while you're down there. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, they taught me to get on that horse. And like a fool, I climbed on that thing. And I've never seen such bucking since I've been living. And uh, there's a big bunch of people, and they had a hollering going on. And that, I thought uh, my time had come. And it got so bad, I turned loose of the rain. I grabbed the front of the saddle and the back, and that thing a bucking. And I felt like it was going to fall off the right side. 
And honestly, I believe it would kill me if that man hadn't run out of that Kmart and unplugged it. Oh. Oh. And, and one woman sat back on her, she ain't laughed yet. I remember, she makes me think of that pleasure trip I took the other day. <laughs> I took my mother-in-law to the airport. <laughs> yes, sir. I, you say you're an officer? Remind me of that story of an old fellow up in Kentucky killed a man, took off to Texas, started preaching. And, uh, had him a big old tent. He announced every night he was going to preach on a certain subject. Everybody would want to hear it, you know. And come Saturday night, he looked, and there said a guy on the front seat from his hometown back in Kentucky. And he said, folks, I've been forced to change my subject. <laughs> I want to preach tonight on this subject. If you think you know me, keep your mouth shut. I'll see you after the service. All right. <laughs> well, we're glad to see you this morning. Praise God. What a good... I've been looking forward to this. I really have. And what time are we going to eat? <laughs> huh? When I get through, may we all stand and be there. <laughs> I, Brother Walter said I'm not going to have any afternoon service, and I, that's that's wise. I, I go to places that have those long afternoon services, and I'm just burping and going on my soul in the morning. So I, I was one place the other day, I said, let's all stand and burp and be dismissed. Amen. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, Brother Raymond, you get along good. Still, you and your wife run that sawmill right on. Yes, sir. Boy. He gave me some lumber one time. I never have forgotten that. Maybe I'll not have told that. Everybody wants some. <laughs> I got one time about a fellow loaning me some money in the church, and everybody borrowed from him. Yeah. Hey, got your Bible? Turn to the book of Job this morning. I'm going to hurry now. You listen real close, and I'll hurry as quick as I can. I come down here with this on my heart. Amen. And I'm going to preach it this morning if I possibly can. Turn to the book of Job. Some years ago, I was on my way to Bryson City, North Carolina, to preach on Sunday morning. I was running late. In the automobile with me was old Travis Thomas from down in Myrtle, Mississippi, and Brother uh, uh, Street Burns, the daddy of the Burns trio that sung all over the country. And I wish both of them was here this morning. These are the two biggest pessimists that I ever met on the face of this earth. It's always too long, too short, too wide, too tall. You can't get there from here. You met fellas like that, haven't you? Right. Well, we got up to uh, Maggie Valley. I'm a running late. I'd forgotten about all the traffic that comes to the Smoky Mountains in the summertime. In fact, for your information, if you don't know this, the Smoky Mountains uh, is the greatest tourist attraction in America. Something between 10 and 12 million people visit the Smoky Mountains in the summertime. I was born and reared in East Tennessee, but I'd forgot all about that traffic. When we got to Maggie Valley, it was bumper to bumper, seven miles an hour. I'm a running late, got a crossover so cold gap in the Cherokee and then the Bryson City. Boy, when those fellas saw that traffic, you should have heard them. You started too late. You didn't leave on time. And uh, why don't you call that preacher and tell him if you're not going to be able to make it. Well, I said, I've been preaching a pretty good while. And I said, somehow I always manage to get that. Oh, Brother Burns spoke up and he said, big boy. He said, it's the first time for everything. And said, this is it. You ain't going to make it. Now, that's all there is to it. We went on a little piece further. And old Brother Travis Thomas, he lit in. And both of them said, you're the hard-headedest preacher I've ever seen in my life. Why don't you get up? There's a wide place in the road. Why don't you turn around? Go back. Call that fellow and tell him that you're not going to be able to make it. 
Well, I'm telling you, we got to the far end of Maggie Valley, and we started up towards Soco Gap, which is what, about 4,800 feet high. And uh, that road, you can see at a great distance away up that mountain, looked like a old black snake laying out there in the warm summer sun. Man, I tell you what's the truth. When I saw that traffic, I tell you, I almost agreed with them. I'm not going to be able to make it. Uh, and boy, there's it going on. And I'm just about ready to turn around and go back when all of a sudden I looked in my rear view mirror. I saw red lights of flashing. Here comes an ambulance. Uh, and I looked at those two fellas and I said, yeah. I said, I'm going to make it. Uh, I said, my help is on its way. <laughs> Amen. Boy, automobiles was parting right and left. Uh, and when that ambulance went by, I fell in behind him. Honey, I crossed so cold, yep, doing 75. Amen. Uh, and I got there on time to preach that morning. Uh, now you say, preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you when it looks like it's impossible, when there's no hope. Uh, yeah. He says, throw the towel in, quit, give up. It's no time to give up. It's time to look up and know that God is able to turn it around. Huh? Amen. Turn with me this morning of the book of Job. I want you to see this. Here in chapter 1 and verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Which comest thou? Then Satan uh, answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, uh, and from walking up and down in it. Uh, hey, who told you the devil didn't go to church, honey? Huh? Hey, hey. Notice Satan went to worship. Here comes old Slewfoot. I've seen him play the piano. I've seen him play the organ. Come on now. I've seen that rascal, my friends. Uh, uh, take up the offerings. I've seen him on the deacon board. And if you want to know the truth about it, I've seen him get behind the pulpit a few times, huh? Yes, sir. So here's the devil. God said, if you consider my servant Job, uh, there's none like him. And the devil said to God, by the reason he honors you and serves you, you put a hedge about him, you blessed him, you put everything in his hands, uh, and everything he touches turns to gold and silver. You've increased his goods. Uh, but he said, you just let that all disappear. You'll find out how much he loves you. In other words, the devil said to God, you a liar. And so what does God say? Notice my friends in verse 12. Uh, and the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thine power. And upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan uh, went forth from the presence of the Lord. Uh, now God is simply saying to the devil, uh, I'm going to prove to you that you are a liar. So what happens? Uh, we find, my friends, when we come to verse uh, uh, 14... And so things begin to take place. Uh, the Bible said a messenger came and brought uh, a sad message. Uh, uh, he said to Job, uh, he said the oxen, uh, the asses that they were plowing, uh, uh, they've been dis uh, taken away. And those that were working these animals have been destroyed. They've been killed. Uh, wouldn't that be a terrible message? Uh, suppose this morning those doors opened just now and somebody come running through that door and said, hey, uh, to one of the contractors or builders in this building, uh, your bulldozers have been destroyed. Destroyed. All your dump trucks have been torn up. And uh, those that were uh, uh, driving these uh, 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 equipment, they've been destroyed. Uh, why, that'd be a terrible message. Uh, I may not even know the contractor, but I'd feel for him. I'd feel for the families whose people had been destroyed. And the Bible said while he was giving that message, all of a sudden, uh, in comes another one. And said, your sheep have been destroyed. Uh, and, and, and he gives a description of that. And those that was taken care of them, they've been killed. Uh, 
Then the Bible said while he was still speaking, here comes another one. And informs him that the camels have been stolen and taken away. And people that was taking care of them had been destroyed. But the worst is yet to come in verse 18. The Bible said all of a sudden a man runs in and informs Job that his children have been destroyed. Uh, a big wind has blown uh, the house down. They've been destroyed. Uh, now God's already said to the devil, uh, none like him. So let's see what happens. Uh, let's look, my friends, and see if the devil was right or God was right. In verse 20, then Job arose, rent his mantle, shamed his head, uh, fell down upon the ground, uh, and worshipped. Hey, listen, brother, he hadn't quit. He hadn't thrown the towel in. No, sir. He was God's man. Now then, you come to chapter 2. The Bible said they went to worship again. Here comes the devil. Uh, and the Bible said, uh, God said, if you consider Job, uh, none like him. Uh, and the devil said, why, skin for skin. Uh, you let something happen to his old body. You'll find out what he thinks of you. God said, you can do everything but kill him. And if there's ever been a man, my friends, uh, that ever came up to the jaws of death... Uh, and, and, uh, and didn't die. It's this man Job. Uh, yes, sir. The Bible said, my friends, that this man Job uh, um, was solid in the Lord and was standing with God. What's going to happen now? Balls break out in his body. I tell you, my friends, he gets sick all over. And uh, uh, he can't make it. Uh, brother, I'm going to have to sit down here. That's the reason I got my chair. I go a little while and have to sit down. I'll preach the rest of the way from right here. Amen. All right, the Bible said, my friends, he breaks out in sores and balls uh, all over his body. He's in a bad fix. Uh, what's going to happen? Uh, I tell you, friends, listen, his, the ministerial association comes running in. All the preachers bring accusations uh, against Job. A little upstart preacher wasn't dry behind the ears. Uh, he throws his two cents in uh, and, and all of that. Now, listen, I've got preacher friends all over this country, thousands and thousands. Uh, I've been preaching for 45 years. Uh, I've been a full-time evangelist for 41 years, running up and down this country. I've met thousands and thousands of preachers, and I love them. I love to make preacher friends. I want to be a friend to preachers. That's right. And I love to meet Christian people. Uh, no doubt today here, after not being here in 10 years, uh, I'll probably meet some folks that I haven't known, uh, and it'll be a joy to add you to the list of being a friend to old Billy Kelly. Now, I want to tell you something. Brother Webb, we've been friends a long time, and a friend of the Webb family. Yes, sir. I'll tell you something. If every preacher in this country gets mad at me, uh, every Christian friend gets mad at me, uh, when I cut a trail out here this afternoon, I'm headed back to Dark Corner, South Carolina. That's where I live. Uh, and there'll be a little brown-eyed gal meet me at the door, throw her arms around my neck and kiss me. Listen, I may not be much down here at all uh, return, but honey, I'm King Willie up there where I live. Amen. That's right. I mean, that gal, we've been married for 41 years. Uh, she's my friend and my companion. Uh, but suppose you got mad. All my Christian friends got mad. Uh, hey, hey, boy, listen, that'd be bad enough. But, boy, when I got to the house, my wife walked to the door, put her hand, hands on her hips like an Irish wash woman, and said, uh, why don't you curse God and die? That's exactly what Job's wife done. Uh, but old Job said, you talk like a foolish woman. Uh, he said, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for God. And he decided he'd settled the whole thing. I imagine old Job climbed in the ring. Uh, Brother Walter in one corner set the devil. In the other corner.
corner sat the old Job. Uh, when the bell sounded out the cave, uh, around and around they went. Uh, all you could see was high dust and toenails. I mean, the battle's on, honey. I mean, they're having a fight. Uh, and like these old mountain fellas around here said, they fit and they fit and they fit. Amen. Uh, hey, bless God, about that time, uh, I see a haymaker. A start from the floor. Catches a devil up the side of the head. Old Slewfoot hit the floor. His tongue run out about that far. And Job hopped upon the rail and began to crow. I know my Redeemer live up. And I'm going to see him in the latter days. Praise God. Listen, friend. You say, you mean God blessed him? You haven't read it all. Boy, here's a man that's lost his family. A man that's lost his friends. A man that's lost his finances. I mean, brother, it's all gone down the drain. Let's see what happens. Would you turn to the last chapter now of the book of Job and, and, and see what God does? Notice in verse 12 in the last chapter. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than he did the beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 she-asses. And he had also seven sons and three daughters. You say, preacher, what are you trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say. When it's all gone down the drain, when it looks like there's no hope, when it looks like the town's been thrown in for good, when everything's against you, opposition, circumstances, everything is opposed to you. I want to tell you it's just about that time that God is fixed to turn it around. Amen. I mean, old Job come out on top side, honey. The Bible said God blessed Job more, my friends, in the end than he did in the beginning. And that's the way it is all the way through the Bible. Well, I was reading one day about old Hezekiah. He is on a sick bed. I mean, he's sick. About that time, one of the greatest men that ever walked in shoe leather walked in the door. Isaiah, the great prophet. He said, Hezekiah, Hezekiah, set your house in order. Said, God said, you're going to die. Hey, bless God, he didn't say the doctor. He said, God said, you're going to die. Wouldn't that be a terrible message to receive, huh? My soul in the morning. Well, you know what Hezekiah done? He didn't say to Isaiah, how's Ms. Isaiah? How's your youngins? Or how's the weather outside? Or what's the weather report? No. The Bible said he rolled over and faced the wall. He began to weep and he said, oh, God, you know how I've tried to serve you? I've tried to live for you. I've tried to honor your precious name. And he began to pray and seek the face of God. You know what the Bible said? It said that, that old Isaiah did not get to the middle court. Uh, and God said, hey, go back in there and tell him I've already heard his prayer. And I'm going to spare him. I'm going to let him live. Uh, boy, through the door comes old Isaiah. And he said, hey, Hezekiah, you can quit your praying. God's already heard you. And God's going to turn it around. Amen. He's going to spare you and let you live 15 more years. Uh, I, I was uh, over at the camp one day up at Greer where we have the Bible camp, Greer Bible camp. And uh, the phone rang. Old John Jones was on the phone. He said, Preacher, he said the doctor just went out of the room here and said he's given my wife 10 minutes to live. I wonder if you'd be in town. And I want you to preach your funeral. I said, Brother Jones, it don't matter just where I am. I said, you folks been such a blessing to me down through the years. I said, man, I, I, I'll come in from wherever I I am to help in a funeral service. Uh, he said they'd give her 10 minutes. Uh, I didn't hear anything the rest of the day. The next morning, I, I said to my wife, I'm going to the hospital. I went up there. Here's about 50, 75 people. Kinsmen had gathered in there. They said she's going to die. I tell you what's the truth. I walked down the hall. 
I went to that room. Uh, that woman was in a coma. She'd had the heart trouble. She it was a diabetic, and there she was in that bed in a coma. Been in a coma for five or six days. Uh, and I walked through that hospital door into that room. Uh, it's just like turning that light on. She is facing the door, and she said, Brother Billy. <laughs> She'd been in a coma for five days. Uh, I walked that door. She said, Brother, B- Brother Billy. Boy, what she did, that's a shout. This woman had been in that country anyhow. She lit in the shout. I mean, bless God, you talk about rattling the rafters, honey. I mean, she is a shout. Uh, and some of the kids began to get around trying to get Mama still. Uh, she wouldn't stop. Lord, I got she shouted out. About five minutes later, she went back into that coma. And, uh, and I told Brother Jones, I said, I'm leaving town. And I said, uh, uh, if you need me, just call the house. God knows where I am, and I'll be glad to come in. I went to Burlington, started the camp meeting up there, and uh, I was expecting any time to get the news. She's dead. I got back, and uh, Mama said, Jimmy, they're having a, a, a big meeting over here at Brother Range's church. Let's go over. I said, we'll go. We got over there, and boy, they got the biggest choir. I guess I'm exaggerating. They look like 300 in that choir. I never heard such music in my life. And uh, boy, listen, in a little bit, those musicians wound up. I want to tell you, you never heard such a thing. That choir began to sing, I'll meet you in the morning. <laughs> Woo! Boy, about that time I heard somebody shouting, uh, and I knew who it was. Uh, that woman is in the hospital. The doctor said, you ain't got but ten minutes. Uh, there she was, uh, amen, I got in the aisle, uh, waving that handkerchief and praising God. Uh, what are you saying, preacher? I'm trying to tell you when the doctor said it's all over. Uh, there's no hope. Uh, you've got a terminal disease. Uh, you're going to die. Listen. God knows how to turn it around. Uh, he knows how to tunnel through the mountains. Uh, bless God, he don't need a, an engineer that's graduated from some big university. He doesn't need a compass to cross the waters. Uh, he doesn't need help to find his way out of the wilderness. Uh, brother, God knows all the answers, and he's able to turn it around. Huh? Yes, sir. I was reading about old... Uh, Old uh, Elijah, uh, God said, you go up yonder to a certain city and said, uh, uh, I want you to stay with a widow woman. <laughs> I'd like to hear the talk and go to your little fair community. If Billy Kelly came to town and was going to stay with a widow woman, I'd just love to hear what you'd say. Huh? Uh, come on now, look up here. I'd just like to hear the talk and go on. Old Elijah got up there, a woman outside the gate. She's picking up some sticks and he said, what you doing? She said, I'm gathering up some sticks, going to build a fire. I got just enough meal in the barrel to make me and my boy a cake. We're going to lay down and die. She said, sir, there's been a drought in this country. The crops have failed. The cattle have died. And we don't have a thing. Uh, and, uh, and she said, I'm going to take these sticks, build a fire. And I'm going to cook that cake, and we're going to lay down and die. And she started towards the house. You know what Elijah said? Hey, would you bring me a drink of water? <laughs> She's got to tell that bird to down none. He said, bring me a drink of water. And she didn't question him or argue with him. She starts on toward the house and he hollered down and said, Hey, why are you up there? Would you just go ahead and bake me a little cake too? She just got to tell him. She just had enough to feed her and her son. They going to eat it, lay down and die. She didn't question him. She recognized him as God's man. She went to the house. She got some water. She baked that cake, brought it to him. He drank the water and ate the cake. Uh, I'd like to hear the talking dogs. That'd been Billy Kelly staying at the widow woman's house. And that bird ate up every, everything she had. I bet he'll weigh 500 pounds. Why, he's so fat, bless God, his jaws hang over his collar. You think about her. And she's on welfare, too. 
And that, that dude went up there and eat everything she had. <laughs> Can't you just imagine what was going on out? That's down at the barber shop in the beauty parlor. You ought to hear it. My soul in the morning. Hey! I want to tell you, my friends, listen, she brought God's man something to eat and gave him some water. And then he said to her, now you go to the house and you make you and the boy a cake. <laughs> she done cooked it all up, she thought, but she didn't argue with God's man. She took off to the house and you know what? There's enough meal in there to make a cake. And she made it and they ate it. Uh, well, that's enough to call recess right here, right now and shout for three days right now. Amen? Huh? But you didn't read it all, did you? She went back to that barrel, if I remember correctly, two and a half years. Uh, and every time she went, glory to God, there's meal in the barrel. Uh, I mean, there's enough there to make another cake. Uh, another meal was there. Praise the Lord. I'm trying to tell you, God knows how to turn it around. I was reading about over there. Let me read it to you. Over there in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Boy, if you want to read something good, if you backslid cold and heart, you need to need some help, you want to read Second Chronicles chapter 20. Old uh, Jehoshaphat had aligned himself with old uh, Ahab. And old Jehu comes and rebukes him about it. And bless God, listen, I'll tell you one thing. Make me think he wanted to do the right thing. He called the whole kingdom into repentance. Isn't that something? Called the whole outfit to get right with God. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be wonderful if Slick Willie do that in this country? Yeah. Say amen right there. You know what a fag is, don't you? Former Arkansas governor. But anyhow, let me, let me, let me go before somebody gets mad and gets out of here. Hey, look here now. Listen. The Bible said old, old Jehoshaphat called the whole kingdom in. And they all got to pray it. And the Bible said in verse 14 of chapter 20, Then uh, upon Jehazreel, the son of Zechariah, the Spirit of God ascended, and he begins to prophesy. You know what he said? He said to Jehoshaphat, said, you're going to have a war. He said, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and Mount Seir, said, they're camping down here next to the cliffs of Seir. And said, they're going to try to annihilate God's people. But old uh, Jehazreel said, you ain't going to have to fight this war. <laughs> said, uh, get you some singers. Now, in all due respect to you precious folks that sing, I'm going to tell you something. I'd hate to know, bless God, I had to depend on a bunch of singers to fight a war for me. And I don't mean that mean. I like to sing. My brother here knows that. But I need to depend on a bunch of singers to fight a war for me, buddy. And listen, he said, you get you some singers. Well, you know, if that had been me, if I was going to fight a war, I'd have wanted every hand grenade. I'd have wanted every uh, machine gun I could find. I didn't want that old woman that's during the Civil War come out, 90 years old, and had nothing but a pitchfork. They said, you can't fight with that. She said, I may not, but I'll let them know whose side I'm on. I'd want them on my side. Amen. Huh? I'd want everybody, hey, I'd want everything I can find to find a battle. But I'll tell you the happiest day that I ever found. And Brother Preacher is speaking here a while ago. Listen, you know I'm telling the truth. Well, the grandest day I ever found outside of soul salvation that I didn't have to fight. Amen. All I done is just proclaim it, brother. That's right. That's right. A lot of folks go around and they think they got... Boy, listen, I'm a redheaded. Look at me. I'm a redheaded, freckle-faced, pug-nosed Irishman. That's what I am. And used to when something crossed my path or somebody, you know what's the first thing hit my head? A ball bat. 
If I could just get me a good ball bat, I'd fix the whole outfit up, huh? Now, don't sit down and look religious at me like you're doing. Bless God, you're just mean as I am. One fellow said he's worried about it. He got the man He's going to get a rope over his wings. I said, you better worry about it. How you going to get a crown over your horns? Amen. Are you listening to me? Now, I want to tell you one thing right now, bud. Listen. Bless God, I'd get mad. I'd want to whip everything in town. And, and I'd fight such as that. That's right. Well, listen, he said, you ain't going to have to fight this one. said, get you some singers. <laughs> and said, they'll get ready. Boy, you remember old David walked out in that valley that day to face old Goliath? Goliath was a tremendous-sized man, nine foot, six inches tall. He was so big in First Chronicles chapter 20, it said he had six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot. I mean, he was tremendous in size. Oh, boy. But David walked out there, and he said, I didn't come with sword and with stave. But he said, I came in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Amen. Holy Ghost said, put the show on the road, boy. Listen, that guy may have been hit in his lifetime, but he never got hit like he got hit that day. I mean, that stone struck him between the eyeballs. He hit the ground. The Bible said David slew him. After he hit the ground, the Bible said David ran up, jerked the sword out of his sheath, cut his head off, and said he slew him again. Now, you believe what you want to, but I believe he killed that bird graveyard dead two times. Amen. That's what the Bible says. That's right, huh? Well, listen to me. I tell you, friends, it comes time for a battle. Oh, listen. Oh, listen to me now. They go down with the singers. Let's read and see what happens. Uh, in chapter 20 and verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people... He appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness and they went out before the army and to say, here's what this is saying, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endureth forever. Now then, get the scene now. It's almost daylight. Not good daylight. Just begin to break a little bit. I see a little mouse-eyed guard, bow-legged, walking guard duty. Uh, and he, maybe all he's got on his mind, I'll soon be off of guard duty, and I'm going to brim fishing this afternoon, and I'm going to catch me a good mess of fish. And all he's got on him, about that time he heard something, uh, Praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endureth ever. He ain't heard nothing like that in his life. Bless God, he turned around, what in the world was that? About that time he heard it again. Praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endureth ever. Boy, I tell you, it hit a cliff over there. Hit another cliff over there. Bounced. Hey, you mountain people now, you know what I'm talking about. Get up here on the mountain a certain time of the, of the day. Holler, you ever done that? Hello! 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 Huh? You ever do that? You people see if you know what I'm talking about. Hey, get up there and holler. What you doing? Nothing. But anyhow, get up there, buddy. <laughs> hey, listen, you have a lot of fun doing that. We was out and hollering and do all that junk that nothing else do. In the streets of poverty, so we was doing all right. But anyhow, that, listen, it bounced off that cliff. Hit a cliff over here, hit one over there. Boy, about that time, that little old bow-legged mouse-eyed guard throwed his battle gear down and went to hollering, Get out of here! There must be a million of them! And the Bible said they began to flee. And the Scripture uses this term that God caused ambushments among the people. I looked that word ambushment up, but I know what it was talking about. Milk cow for it, I knew. Hey, you know what it meant? It meant that Grandma killed Grandpa. Grandpa killed Grandma. 
sons and daughters killed daddy and mama and vice versa. They killed each other. And the Scripture said it took them Jews, listen to me, Israelites, took them three days to gather up all the wealth that that outfitted left. Uh, oh, I wish you could see that. Listen, my friend, uh, out here right now we got enemies. Uh, these folks don't like fundamentalism. These folks that don't like old-fashioned churches. Uh, these people in this country, they hate old-time religion. They don't nobody shouting and praising God. They put every church in the country like that out of business. Uh, they don't want you to teach your children the right thing. Uh, they'd rather back up a bunch of homosexuals and all such as that. Uh, one of them groups come through where I live the other day. Want to know where the gays hung out. One of them old mountain fellas said the lights and hung that limb right there. Amen. <laughs> what in hell is that? Brother, I'm going to tell you one thing right now. I think, brother, they, we, we've got enemies in this world. I tell you, God knows how to send ambushments uh, among that crowd. Huh? Yes, he does, brother. Now then, let's go a little further. We see that God was taking care of this situation. Now, I'm going to hurry. I'm going to let you go just a little bit. But I want to give you this one story. My wife, years ago, had a, a tumor. And uh, so much cancer this day and time. So many people died with cancer. And I got very upset about it. We'd only been married, uh, well, I guess maybe 10 years. Uh, we was married uh, uh, seven years before our first child came. He is about four years old. And... Uh, that doctor said, you've got to be operated on. He said, I mean soon. Well, this is on a Friday, and they operate on her on Monday. Now, I mean, brother, he, he was upset. All I can think about is my wife died. We got to the house home to cry, but I can't do that. So uh, I was in a meeting, and I went to run the meeting that night. My wife and boy stayed at the house. I got home. They'd gone to bed. I walked in the back bedroom. I decided I'd sleep in there and not disturb them. I crawled in that bed, and all I could think about was my sweetheart, my companion, my helpmate, my wife died. Man, listen, I went to the funeral that night. I smelt the flowers. I picked out the casket. I picked out a garment for her to wear. I could see that little broken-hearted boy standing with tears racing down his face wanting to know when Mommy was going to get up and go home. Boy, I went through that all night. I cried. I cried and I cried. The next morning I got up, she said, what do you want for breakfast? I said, I'm not hungry. Now, honey, when I don't eat breakfast, there's something going on. I'll tell you that right now. And I ain't talking about a bowl of Wheaties neither. <laughs> I'm on ham, sausage, bacon, fat meat, you just name it. I mean, I'm a fat meat eater. They said it to kill you. Well, who in the name of God wants to go to heaven hungry? But to make a long story short, my wife, I said I drank a cup of coffee, drank the coffee, went down to the barn, had some horses, fed those horses, and all day I just drooped around. All I could think about was my wife, my helpmate, my companion died. That night I went back to the service, got home. All difference in tonight and last night, the devil had been back to torment, got him some reinforcements. And he did put it on that night. I got in that funeral car. I rode down the highway behind that old hearse. I went to the church. I heard the funeral messages. I heard all of that. Went to the graveside. I saw that casket being lowered in the ground. 
My soul, that little boy crying, won't know when mommy was going to go home. Next morning I got my wife said, what you want for breakfast this morning? I said, I, I, I'm just not hungry. She said, what in the world is wrong with you? I said, I've, I've just lost my appetite. I'm not hungry. I said, I'll drink the coffee, drank coffee, went down to the barn, fed those horses. But I want to tell you something, every man's got a breaking point. I had to have some relief. I looked across the bottoms. <laughs> and down on the heel side was a pine thicket with a few hardwoods. And something just kept saying, go to that thicket, said you get touch of heaven. <laughs> Brother Burlock, what I crawled over under and went around or what, but I got a wet fence. I crossed the bottom, got in the pine thicket on the hillside. Got on my knees, started praying. But my prayers didn't go no higher in that ceiling. No. Uh, I couldn't get through. And then I remembered what an old mountain preacher back in East Tennessee told me when I started out. He said, son, when you pray, it seems like the sky's brass. And God's dead and gone out of business and forgot all about you. He said, just go praise him. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, just praise him. Well, I was a young Christian. I don't know what he's talking about. I said, what do you mean? Well, he said, thank you for all the spiritual blessings he gave you. Thank you for salvation, for keeping you, and feeding you, and clothing you. Thank you for the temporal things of life. So I decided I'd do that. And I couldn't think of nothing. And I opened one eye. Now, I never read where you had prayed the eyes shut. Did you? But I did read where it said, watch and pray. So I opened one eye. And there's a big old oak tree. And I said, Lord, thank you for that big old oak. <laughs> Boy, when I said that, glory to God, I got started, Brother Walter. I walked up to the throne of grace. Hey, I thank God for the polecats and the blue jays and the hoot owls. I thank God for the break on my car. Did you ever do that? I bet the thing didn't work, you'd think of it. <laughs> Boy, I want to tell you, I walked up to the throne of grace. And when I did, I fell before the Lord. And oh, when I fell before Him, I said, Lord, if she lives, amen. And if you take her home, amen. I want thy blessed will to be done. Boy, when I said that, God spoke three things to my heart. I never got over it. I'd probably give it to you in time past. But for you newcomers, listen to me. You'd be wise to write it down in the flyleaf of your Bible. Hey! It won't sound like much when I give it to you, but listen, it may come in handy one day. God spoke to Martin. Number one, he said, Son, everything's running on time. <laughs> that don't sound like much, does it? Number two, he said, I'm still in control. I got the reins in my hands. And number three, he said, I've never made a mistake. Oh, and I got hold of that. Listen to me. God's a running it. It's a running on time. He's never made a mistake. Honey, are you listening to me? Wake that woman up. Listen to me. Bless God, I shouted. I shook hands with every bush in the woods and all them pines. I come out across that bottom. My wife was up at the house and she heard me. <laughs> she ran out to the fence and said, what's wrong? I hollered back, not a thing. Get the skinny out. Amen. 
I said, put on a pound of ham, cook a big bowl of gravy. Glory to God, a pound of catheads, that's biscuits. Amen, them big ones. I mean, buddy, one of them, I'd bite one, it'd look like a, a half moon. And then the next bite, a total eclipse. Amen. Bless <laughs> God, she had, I said, put on a set of eggs, uh, put on some grits. Uh, I said, get the rations ready. Uh, God's a running this thing. <laughs> Amen. It's a running on time, and the Lord's never made a mistake. Now, if you can hang on to that, buddy, listen, you'll find out that God knows how to turn it around. That's been 30 years ago, brother pastor, 30 years ago, and my wife's never had any trouble with that since then, or even been sick hardly a day in her life. You see what you said? God knows how to turn it around. As I look over this congregation of people, say some of you sitting here right now, you'd hate for it to be revealed the burdens that's on your heart. Some of you got uh, children that's gone wrong in the penitentiary. You got a uh, uh, kid out there on dope. Or maybe your home's fixing to break up. There may be some young couples here you just don't see how the world you're going to make it. You can't get along. Well, I want to tell you something. I don't care what your problem may be. I don't care who you are or where you come from. God knows how. He knows how to take those bad situations. I mean, your bank account may be double zero. Your husband may have left you. Your wife run off. Your children's done wrong. You've got problems. You're sick in body. God knows how to turn it around. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'd like for the musicians to come and play softly. I'd like to ask you this morning, you got a problem, you need help, you don't know what a turn seems like, you've turned here and you've turned there, why don't you give God a chance? Why don't you give the Lord a chance? How many of you say, preacher, I need help this morning, I need for God to turn some things around, would you like to slip that hand up, hold it up high, that's right, God bless you and you, and over there and back yonder, others of you, thank you, I see those hands. Preacher, thank you, lady. I tell you, I need God. Thank you back there, in here, all over the house. People lifting their hands. I need for God to turn some things around. Lord Jesus, you've seen every hand that's gone up. I can't change people's lives. I didn't come here, Lord, this morning to force anybody to do anything, Lord, that they didn't want to do. But I've, I've brought what you laid on my heart. I thought it Lord, that you give it to me to be a help to somebody, some precious wife, some husband, some dad, mother, some grandpa, some grandmother, some young man, some young girl needs help. God, help them to see that you're able to turn it around. They may have made a lot of mistakes, a lot of failures, heartaches and sorrows come in their life. But this morning, God, help them to see there's a new beginning. There's some help. Thank God there's aid. The Lord wants us to turn to Him. And Father, we pray that as we give this invitation this morning, that folks, God would be willing to make things right. In Jesus' name. Let's stand our feet, please. While we sing a verse of invitation, you meant business. You lifted that hand. Come on right now. Let's tell the Lord about it, would you? While we sing it.